Good evening. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Nikon Kazumi. Today we're going to talk about Earth's magnetic field. Did you know life on our planet depends on it? The magnetic field is created in the Earth's magnetic core and extends from inside the Earth to outer space. It acts like a shield to protect life on Earth from deadly cosmic rays. Northern Lights, or Aurora Borealis, are the pleasant effect of this phenomenon. The majestic light show happens near the North Pole, where the Earth's magnet is at its strongest. And believe it or not, it happens in the South Pole too, and it is called the Southern Lights, or Aurora Australis. Anyways, that concludes today's podcast. Stay tuned! for the next science fact. Stay safe. An ordinary day doing groceries, except this time you take what you want and leave without dealing with those long lines next to checkout. How cool would that be? With RFID chips, that fantastical life of convenience is sooner than you think. Hey kids, so come out as soon at your service on this fine date where we'll discuss Radio frequency identification chips. More commonly known as RFID, it's a tag, label, or card that exchanges data with a reader, typically found in a different enclosure. Like everything in our expansive universe, RFID obeys laws of physics, more specifically the principles of electromagnetism. RFID chips use radio frequencies to communicate, hence the name. These signals are the result of a very complex process that converts electromagnetic energy into radio waves and frequencies using different instruments, like a coil and parallel plates to name a few. There are several real-world applications of RFID chips. Credit cards are a great example, providing both the convenience and efficiency synonymous with RFID. Just scan and you're good to go. Human implants do occur with these chips because they can be as small as a human cell. But RFID is more commonly used in identifying and processing 10-ton mammals than microchip implants. Figured. As of 2015, RFID is a $26 billion industry and that number is only rising. So just remember kids, the same technology that powers credit cards and microchip implants is the same thing that tracks down cows. Till next time, I'm Sir Kamal Essen. What is magnetic resonance imaging? I'm Sneha with a special report on MRI. MRI is general terms of the test used to show the body's tissues and organs. MRI scanners use strong magnetic fields, radio waves, and fit gradients to generate images of the inside body. So that's basically MRI. MRI uses superconducting magnet to produce large stable magnetic fields of approximately 2.0 Tesla. Every year, roughly 10 million people in Canada get an MRI scan. An MRI's magnetic field is 1000 to 4000 times stronger than the Earth's magnetic field. Also, it's essential to remove any metals objects from the body because metals objects can injure you during an MRI. So, be careful before you take an MRI. Any metal implants in the body can make affected by the magnet. Think about this. How do you figure out the direction of a location you want to go to? Or figure out which way is north or south? Probably just type the address or location on the internet, but that's not the case for animals. 
I'm Renner T. Smith, reporting on the interactions between animals and magnetic fields. Earth's magnetic field plays a huge role in the lives of us humans. However, humans are not the only ones that depend on it. A mechanism within animals, known as magnetoreception, helps them sense and use magnetic fields for navigation and migration purposes. Among these animals are turtles, lobsters, salamanders, insects such as bees and butterflies, and even common migratory animals such as birds and whales. There have been many studies and experiments that have been made to determine the science behind all of this. And even though it is still not 100% clear how animals can sense magnetic fields, scientists and physicists have come up with very convincing theories. One of the most popular theories made by scientists states that unique photoreceptors, known as cryptochromes, within animals help them detect and sense magnetic fields like humans see color. There have been many experiments that have helped prove these abilities with worms and robins involving magnetic cages where the animals have responded to the magnets. Now this is called magnetoreception. And it's nice to know that animals have their own personal GPS. used to make the song that you just heard were old Sony TVs and house fans. How? Well, by using electromagnetism, of course. I'm Simone, and that was Electronicos Fantasticos. They're a Japanese experimental music group who's using ele abandoned electronics to create new electromagnetic instruments. One of their most eye-catching instruments is a CRT TV GameLand. It's five 90s-style TVs lined up in a row, creating what could resemble a drum kit. How it works is the TVs emit static electricity. The drummer then catches that electricity with their bare hands. The electricity then travels through wire coiled around the drummer's legs to a nearby guitar amp. Essentially, this makes the drummer an electromagnet. And that's how the beat for the song that you just heard was made, using physics. The group not only combines physics and music, but also spreads an eco-friendly message. Electronicos Fantasticos have a dream of electromagnetic native music where urban waste and outdated tech are the genre's main instruments. Music and electromagnetism have not always been interconnected, but now that they are, it might just be the future of music. Hi everyone, my name is Minatella, and today I'll be talking about electromagnets. So what exactly is electromagnets? Well, in simple words, it's a magnet that has magnetic properties when a current is passed through. It mostly consists of a conductive wire wrapped around a piece of metal where electricity passes through. Electromagnets play a huge role in our life today, and without it, life wouldn't be life as we know today. We wouldn't have internet or MRIs as well. Some unique features of electromagnets is an adjustable power level. The power of the magnetic field can be adjusted by de increasing or decreasing the amount of electricity flowing through the wire coils. Did you know that the world's most powerful magnet is 44.14 Teslas? Cool, right? Did you also know that the Earth's magnetic field is a thousand times weaker than a typical magnet? Well, that's all for today. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new. topic was regenerative braking systems. 
As we know from Albert Einstein, energy can't be created nor destroyed, it can only be transformed. In an electric car, the motor constantly spins in one direction while your foot is on the throttle, turning the electrical energy from the batteries into kinetic energy, accelerating the car. However, once you take your foot off the throttle, the motor in the regenerative braking system disengages and begins to run backwards as a generator, siphoning at kinetic energy from the wheels as they slow down, which links back to the batteries recovering some of the energy used to accelerate the car. The effect of regenerative braking isn't useful for all situations, however it's useful in situations where you often brake, such as driving around a city. Um, and it can come clutch in those situations as it recovers a lot of energy that would simply be wasted if you were to use the more normal form of braking, such as hydraulic brake pads. Fun fact though, using brake pads will heat up to up to 200 degrees Celsius from simply driving around the city. and today I'll be talking about electric bills. An electric bill contains an electromagnet consisting of coils of insulted wire wound around iron rods. When an electric current flows through the coils, the rod becomes magnetic and attacks a piece of iron attached to a clipper. The clipper hits the bill and makes the electric bill ring. The way that it affects our environment is that that we use this electric bill almost everywhere. We use it in uh, school alarms, fire alarms, and almost everywhere else. One of the biggest fun facts about the electric bill is that it was invented in 1850, which made that makes that that we have been using it for over 170 years since the day it was invented and that's how electrical bell works thank you very much for joining with me today and have a nice evening the future of transportation is here hi it's richard and today i'm going to tell you why you should keep an eye out for maglev trains Maglev trains are currently the fastest trains on the planet. They can reach up to 600 kilometers per hour. And they work on the basic principle that opposite magnetic poles attract and like poles repel. These futuristic looking trains are supported by a guideway. Electric magnets on the guideway repel magnets on the bottom of the train, keeping it levitated and reducing friction by a lot. In fact, the virtually zero friction means that maglev trains are super safe and also very quiet. There are also magnets that rapidly alternate between north and south polarities that pull and push on magnets on the sides of the train. This propels the train to incredible speeds. Maglev trains are just awesome. They're fast, safe, don't produce harmful emissions, and provide comfortable experiences for riders. The only downside is that they are expensive to build. Fun fact, a maglev train would only take three hours to get from Toronto to Vancouver. Compare that to regular trains, which would take three days. Thank you for listening. That was your daily dose of future technology. Hello, my name is Olivia Chi, and today I'll be talking about nanotechnology and scanning. 
Nanotechnology is a research field dedicated to the study and creation of materials on an atomic and molecular level, specifically between 1 to 100 nanometers. To put into perspective exactly how small that is, a nanometer is 10 times smaller than the strand of your DNA. One application of nanotechnology is a scanning electron microscope. This is a specific type of microscope that bounces an electron stream instead of a light stream off an object. The electrons, after reflecting off the object, create a variety of different signals that divulges information about the microsurface, such as its composition. However, this does not allow for color images to be produced. It is believed that colored nanoparticles will help make this a possibility in the future. An application of nanotechnology that directly relates to magnetic fields is ferrofluids, which are made up of many permanently magnetized particles that are suspended in another substance. They are often used in electric field-based micro- and nano-electromechanical systems, like in fluid magnetic rotary seals and computers to retain lubricating fluids and repel contaminants. Thanks for listening! Hello, my name is Hader and I'll be talking about hard drives. A hard drive is an efficient computer memory device that uses magnetism to store information. Hard drives give your computer its memory and let you store digital photos, music files, and text documents. If you magnetize a nail, it stays magnetized until you demagnetize it. In much of the same way, the computerized information or data stored in your PC's hard drive stays there even if you switch the power off. There is a shiny circular plate of magnetic material called a platter divided into billions of tiny areas. Each one of those areas can be independently magnetized to store a 1 or demagnetized to store a 0. So think about it like this. Iron nails start off unmagnetized, but if you rub a magnet back and forth over them, you can make them magnetic so they stick to one another. Magnetism has a very important use. Suppose you need to leave a message for a friend and all you have is a magnet and an unmagnetized iron nail. Suppose the message is a very simple one. Either you will see your friend later that night or you won't. You could arrange with your friend that you will drop a nail through their letterbox. If the nail is magnetized, it means that you will see them later. If the nail is unmagnetized, you won't. Your friend gets in from school and finds a nail on the doormat. They take it to the kitchen table and try to pick up a paper clip. If the clip attaches to the magnet, it must be magnetized, and it can mean that you will plan to see them later. It's a pretty weird way to leave a message for someone, but it illustrates something very important. Magnetism can be used to store information. Hello Earth! It is almost the one-year anniversary of a discovery made by our bot friend up on Mars, launched hardly three years ago. My name is Samin, and here's the insight on InSight. The first lander to investigate the interior of our sister planet is also the first to plant a magnetometer on its surface. The sensor uses electromagnets to function. When we continuously alternate the current of the magnets, we alternate the magnetic field generated by it as well. The opposing directions of the field cancel each other out. If this cancellation is thrown off balance, that means an external field is present in the area. Before this, scientists used satellites at too high altitudes to measure the magnetic field, or lack thereof, on Mars. Thanks to InSight, they have discovered that the magnetic field around the lander is 10 times stronger than they expected. And it's only a bonus, because InSight's main mission is actually in its name, the interior exploration using seismic investigations, geodesy, and heat transport of Mars By understanding the interior layers of the planet, scientists can figure out key conditions about the atmosphere, surface, and, of course, magnetic field that decide whether life could exist on Mars and how terrestrial worlds like Mars and Earth were formed billions of years ago. How exciting!
Hello, my name is Max Yang. Today I am here to advertise the new efficient magnetic refrigerator which is 30% more efficient than traditional refrigerators. The magnetic refrigerator uses a process called active magnetic regenerative refrigeration which uses special alloy and magnetic fields to cool your refrigerator. The magnetic field causes all the atoms to face one direction, decreasing entropy, increasing temperature in the process. When the magnetic field is taken away, the temperature decreases again. The refrigerator uses this to cool liquids which will cool your refrigerator. It is quieter, more efficient, and longer lasting than your traditional ref no refrigerator and it doesn't need refrigerant to work. Refrigerant is very harmful to the ozone layer and it doesn't wear out as fast, making the magnetic refrigerator a very environmental choice to buy. Call 100-600-7770 today to buy your own magnetic refrigerator. Physics Facts with John Tran. Today's topic is credit cards. Oh, but how are credit cards related to physics? That's a great question. You see, all credit cards have a black bar on the side. The bar is actually a magnetic strip used to store data. The strip is made up of rows called tracks. Each track is made up of magnetic material that when swiped along a machine gives off different magnetization direction that can be translated into binary numbers. These binary numbers are then translated into your data, things such as account number, name, or expiration date. Now you know how credit cards use magnets to store data, but it wouldn't be physics facts without some facts. Did you know it's actually possible to scramble or erase your data on the credit card if brought close to a powerful magnet? This has been Physics Facts with your host, John Tran. Thank you all for listening. Good morning everyone, I'm Mutishan, a scientific expert that will be talking about your daily scientific information. The electron microscope is like your optical microscope, but electron microscopes use a beam of electrons to magnify an object's image. Electrons have a smaller wavelength, which gives it the ability to have a higher magnification than light. Because of these microscopes, we have the ability to see very small objects that are a thousand times smaller than the optical microscopes. These microscopes allow us to see atoms with the human eyes and gives us a better knowledge of cell structures in animal, animal life and plants. Also, led us to many discoveries that still continue to this day. There are four types of electron microscopes. Transmission electron microscopes, scanning electron microscopes, reflection electron microscopes, and scanning transmission electron microscopes. The images produced by these microscopes are colorless because color is a property of light which these microscopes don't use. The areas that the electrons pass by will appear as white and the areas the electrons don't pass by will appear as black in the image. And that's your daily science info for today. Now let me take you back to 2007. It was an afternoon. You came back home from school. I know I wasn't the only one watching Arthur. Unless you lived a successful life as a 4 year old and owned an LED plasma TV at the time, I'm pretty sure you were all in the same boat as me, watching on a tube TV. Now in that tube TV comes my topic, the cathode ray tube. My name is Divishan Kumar, a reporter from the TV Shan News. 
The cathode ray tube, also known as a CRT, was founded in 1869 by a physicist named Johann Hiddorf. It is essentially a vacuum tube that helps produce images when electron beams hit the surface. Compared to other devices like the LCD, the CRT is way more cheap and affordable. However, it uses up to 250% more power than an LCD. It was commonly used on televisions, computer monitors, oscilloscopes, and many more. It can either use one color to produce a monochrome image, or three colors, blue, red, and green, to produce a multicolored image. Millions of these dots consist inside of a CRT and will start to glow once the electron beam hits. After being hit, these dots will start to show images that are visible to us on the screen. CRT TV had originated in 1907, therefore it has been used for more than 100 years now. The CRT is well functioning and has never failed the expectations to the modern era to get its job done. That's it for today folks. My name is Tivishan Kumar, and I'm signing out. Hello and welcome to the Zhang Podcast. I'm Lin Zhao here and let's talk about the Aurora Borealis today. Close your eyes and imagine you have just slept for a full entire day. You wake up to a bright glow of light through your milky curtains and you see luminous clouds all around you. Now this is like the Aurora Borealis, aka the Northern Lights. How does it form you ask? Well now imagine you're walking up a flight of stairs with coins on each step. You make your way up, picking up the coins along the way. You suddenly slip on a random banana peel, crash into a wall and drop all your coins back down. Now keep that image in your head for the Aurora Borealis. The sun emits charged particles carried over by the solar wind, going in the direction of the magnetic field lines. When the charged particles collide with the Earth's atmosphere, electrons jump to a higher energy state, which is like you going up the stairs while picking up the coins. Then, as the electrons drop back down to a lower energy state, they release a photon, which is like you falling down the stairs and releasing the coins. With billions of photons, the aurora is produced. Wondering about the colors? Well, they're actually determined by the type of molecules colliding as they enter the Earth's atmosphere. Who would have ever thought a collision can make such beautiful results? Lucky astronauts on the International Space Station are at the same altitude as the auroras, so they can see the aurora borealis up close. Now who wants to be an astronaut? Thank you for listening and stay tuned for no more. Welcome to a special report. I am your host. My name is Kenneth Ho. Today we are going to take a look at the high voltage power lines, specifically transmission lines. Electricity is almost essential to our society. The main topic we are discussing today is voltage. I will explain how the voltage in your home differ from those near power plants. Transmission lines typically carry electricity from the power plant to the substation. They vary from 50,000 to over 750,000 volts. Substations have transformers that can either step down or step up electricity to prepare it for further transmission or distribution. Step down means to lower while step up means to raise the voltage. In order to make the electricity safe for delivery in the homes, it must be stepped down first. Resistance exists when electricity travels through a line. The power loss due to this resistance is referred to as line loss. In order to mitigate this resistance, the voltage must be raised. This is why long-distance transmission lines have such high voltages. You're watching Toronto's breaking news CP24. This is Arpanjap Moore reporting live from the strongest magnet on Earth. The most powerful magnet resides in New Mexico and was made by Los Alamos Laboratory, generating a record-setting magnetic field of 100 Tesla. That's quite a lot. Here I have Dr. Henrietta Schuetz, who's going to talk to us about electromagnetism. Thanks, Arpanjot. 
Electromagnetism is one of the fundamental forces of nature, which is produced by an electric current. When an electric current flows through a wire, it generates a magnetic field. This is called the principle of electromagnetism. While electromagnets have many uses in our everyday life, such as microwaves and cell phones, they can also be very harmful. According to the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer, people exposed high levels of electromagnetic fields show an increased risk of leukemia, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, and changes in human nerve function throughout the body. To reduce high-level exposure, only receive x-rays that are medically necessary. Limit your time in the sun, and put your phone down when you aren't using it. Thank you so much, Dr. Henrietta, for that information. Stay tuned for any developments on health effects of electromagnetic fields, everybody. And you're watching Toronto's Breaking News CP24. Welcome back to Space FM. I'm Tigran Blaine, and today's episode we're asking, how are you hearing this right now? Well, first you need to understand what sound is. Sound is just waves propagating through a medium, this case probably air, and a speaker, what it does is it transforms electric energy into waves. So how does it do that? Using magnets. Magnets are actually in speakers. What happens is there's coils being coiled around a permanent magnet inside the speaker that's connected to a metal diaphragm. And when the current goes through this coil, the coil becomes a temporary magnet and based on the direction of the current, it'll either be repelled or attracted to the magnet. And they can reverse currents multiple times with these signals and the diaphragm will move back and forward and back and forward as it's repelled and attracted. And this causes vibrations. And the more vibrations means it's quite louder, much, much louder. And less vibrations is a bit more quieter. And that is how you're hearing this episode. So thanks for watching and tune in next time. to the Have You Heard Of podcast. As your favorite host, today I will be informing you about particle accelerators and why you should take an interest in them. Particle accelerators are used especially for health and medicine purposes, making experiments to create different kinds of treatments and equipment such as MRI and PET scans. Particle accelerators have also been used in everyday life as old televisions actually used to have particle accelerators in them. Have you ever been curious about time travel? Well, according to Stephen Hawking, particle accelerators are the closest thing we have to time travel. Fun fact, particle accelerators are known as one of the longest man-made buildings as well as the hottest as the highest temperature recorded in a man-made building was actually inside of a particle accelerator. That, my friends, is why you should be interested in particle accelerators and thank you for tuning in. Have a great day, everyone. Stay tuned for more cool things you may not know about after the commercial break. Hi, my name is Vivi, and today we will talk about magnetic in treating pain. Do you believe that magnet has been used in medicine since the 3rd century AD? Doctors have used magnet to treat gout, poisoning, and depression. And recently, scientists have found that magnetic can help in treating pain. In the experiment, scientists create a hydrogel using hyaluronic acids, which can be found between the cells in the brain and in the spinal cord. 
After reacting this cell, they fill them with some small magnetic particle. Then they apply some external ma magnetic force to these cells and they find that the number of this sensitive pen cell decrease as they increase the force. This means that if they could embed this cell into people's wound, we could experience less pain since we will have fewer pain signal cells. By that magnet can replace medicine which cause some problems such as addiction or allergy in treating pain. Unfortunately, this only happened in the lab and we still need more research to introduce it to the public. Aaron and today's topic on daily science I will be talking about superconductivity. Have you ever dreamed of riding on a real-life hoverboard, using an ultra-high-speed supercomputer, or maybe even traveling on a levitating train? All of these have become a reality thanks to superconductors. When a superconductor is cooled to a certain temperature of around negative 273 degrees Celsius, it loses all of its electrical resistance. Because of this unique property, Electric motors can be almost 100% efficient and superconductive batteries will be able to hold onto just a single charge forever without any loss of energy because of zero electrical resistance. Now, this all sounds too good to be true, right? While it is achievable, superconductors must be at a super cold temperature in order to be in a superconductive state, making it extremely difficult for these breakthroughs to happen. Yet scientists have not given up and are still trying to find a superconductor that will function in room temperature conveniently. Until then, thank you for listening and I'll see you next time on Daily Science.